0: There's cyber shaming. You mentioned it, right? We have to burst that bubble. Yeah. Right? We have to not be shamed because some of the biggest companies out here have been hit. The NSA's been hit, right? We have to be past that.
1: Yeah. Hi, and welcome to Short Takes on Tech. I'm Bonnie Estes and your host, and we are recording live today from the IFPA show in Orlando, and there's all sorts of stuff going on on the floor right now. There's like music and lunch, and it's a real exciting spot here with all of this going on. So today we are talking to Lydia. So Lydia, I will let you introduce yourself.
2: Hey everyone, I'm Lydia. I work with Carbon Space. Um, I've been with the company for about a year and work on business development, so anything from marketing, sales, and partnerships. Briefly, Carbon Space is providing remote carbon footprint monitoring for the land use sector, so from agriculture to forestry. We're headquartered in Dublin, but have a global team, so I'm based here in the U.S. in Denver. And what size is the company? How many people? Um, we're about 15 right now.
1: And are you? what stage are you at? Do you actually have customers that are using your technology
2: and kind mm-hmm. of... Yeah, so we have paying customers and we're raising our Series A right now. So in terms of funding, yeah, we have commercial projects on four continents. Um, So in North America, South America, Europe, and Africa, I think maybe Asia, hopefully Australia, (laughs) at least four.
1: (laughs) So what value would a customer get in working with you?
2: Yeah, so we help food and beverage companies primarily generate land-based carbon claims, and track performance of um, maybe newly implemented practices and things like that. Just kind of really depending on the commodity or sector, there can be different use cases for the data we provide. So on the carbon claim side, this could be um, things like talking about we implemented this practice or started like an agroforestry project and saw, you know, this many more tons of carbon being sequestered per month or in a year. And then on the other kind of tracking side will help companies could even be like supplier and supplier kind of like identification or evaluation. That's the Mm -hmm. word. So kind of comparing suppliers across across geographies or again, kind of using the data as like a decision-making tool. Like, Hey, I was talking actually to a customer this morning. It's like, Okay, I've seen y'all's data for about two weeks from my farm, and I just have a whole like, host of ideas now on what I want to do next with my land, just based on the, the oh, data. Excellent. So yeah.
1: So once you, they have your tool and they are collecting the data, is there a lot of support that you do? I mean, do you have kind of consulting
2: part of it, or is it mm-hmm. self-explanatory and they just use the tool? Yeah, that's a good question. Something we're exploring a lot internally right now, Because, you know, we're just the land use data is just one part of like fuller carbon footprint picture or Mm -hmm. all the other parts that go into decision making around land management. But, you know, we'll provide monthly updates on this carbon data for different fields or farms. And then, yeah, depending on the customer, we've we're talking with one about building out an LCA for their product. And we're talking with others about going more of the supplier valuation route and how we could help do different like reporting around comparisons around different geographies compare like this practice here the same practice you know halfway across the world like we can dig into the data more for them on that supplier side so we are discussing a lot internally yeah like what this is going to look like once we're larger like what's scalable and it's really an Exciting and interesting, and varies a lot across commodities. So. Yeah, I think it's a, in companies and products and services like yours.
1: It's what you don't want to be is the consultant that you have to work with that client constantly. I mean, it's hard mm-hmm. to scale that, but you also want to provide them good customer service. Mm-hmm. And so, I've seen in, in your types of products that 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 is a point you have to really think about. It's like how much time do I give them and, and how do we make this so that it's scalable and I don't have to send a person to every customer and hold mm-hmm. their hand. So yeah.
2: yeah, it's like the the platform side we have with just the data, like you're saying, that's the scalable part. Yeah. Um, and then in some cases, it's like, okay, if we build out this LCA with this customer, like it'll be a lot of work up front, but then moving forward, we could have that framework and do it with other customers. It's not going to be as intensive, but... But, yeah, it's big discussion right now. Like, yeah. okay, we can't do, you know, a report for every, yeah. <laughs> every person. And, and you love you know. your early
1: customers, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, so we
2: want to do everything, do everything yeah. you know, yeah. for, for these people. Um, but, yeah. So what are you wanting to get out of the
1: show? Why are you here? And, and how is this going to be valuable to you?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as a company that has not really prior – so we're part of the – Field Catalyst program, as you know, <laughs> but we haven't worked in the produce industry prior to this program. So I think a lot of the show is, of course, I mean, just meeting people. I think I really want to attend some of the more like sustainability or supply chain focused sessions, see what questions people are asking. And I think, you know, this isn't just like some sales opportunity. A lot of it for us is Understanding what do people need, you know. So I, had someone on my team was like, "Hey, if you come back to from the show and just have like asked a bunch of people questions and have their answers written down, like that would be valuable." You know, it's not like we need to sign a deal. You know, yeah, no, that's um, good. I mean, that's the stage where you're at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, just a lot of learning. Like, what are people asking around? You know, these topics of like carbon and sustainability and supply chain because. At least on the like carbon and sustainability side, it's just like there's a lot going on out there, and you know, in the food and beverage industry, it's a hot topic for everyone. But it does kind of differ what stages um, different sub industries, I guess that would you'd call the produce industry, differs what stages they're at. So yeah, no, it'll be exciting want,
1: for you to walk the floor tomorrow when it opens, and um, it, it's just. It was like when we went on immersion week and you saw all those fields. This is kind of like that, but in, in yeah. a convention form where it's like, wow, they're just—it's the scale is so huge and there's just so many companies. And and so I think there's there's just a ton for you to learn you know, mm-hmm. just walking around and talking to people. So yeah, for sure. So we t- you touched a little bit on being in the accelerator, and it was great to have you. What was your experience, and and would you recommend mm-hmm. other companies doing it? And you know, mm-hmm. just talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, I guess to start out on like a personal level. So in the immersion week and um, out in California back in May, that was just fascinating to yeah be standing in fields and like watching harvest happen or go into the processing facilities and just see the scale and speed that like, that everything was happening. Um, that's something that I personally had never seen. And then, yeah, it's been definitely valuable for our, company to have the different webinars and just see all the different perspectives from an industry that we just haven't had experience with yet. And then... I'll have to shout out our mentor Curtis from Burnet Robotics. He's the best. He? He's amazing. Yeah, I he hope. sent me this note <laughs> actually, and he
1: goes, "I hope I did enough." And you know, he said it was such a great opportunity to work with Lydia. And I, I hope I did enough. You know, give me any feedback. And like, I'm sure you went over the oh top. Oh my gosh,
2: he's just amazing. I'm he glad. was amazing. Yeah. yeah, he. I think our first few calls were more like, I don't know, operation. Just asking, we're dealing with this like more internally, and what have you done? You know, in your current company or previous companies and then it turned into more our calls after that were like you just gave us so many introductions to people in the industry that we would have had no other way of getting anytime soon and you know we'd have questions around something wouldn't even be asking for an introduction you'd be like well you know the best person to talk to would be these five people I'll send you an email for <laughs> <to> each <laughs> wow. of them and it would just turned into so much learning and continued conversations we're still having with people he's introduced us to in the industry so i think that was one of the biggest i think one of the most lasting impacts of the accelerator will be just people we've met through the mentorship um, component of it so it's awesome
1: good well that's it oh thank you so much for stopping by my little fishbowl and uh (laughs) i
2: hope you have a really great show and i'll see you again awesome thank you bonnie
1: We are now moving to my next guest, Caitlin. So I'll have you introduce yourself and your company.
3: Oh, wonderful! Well, thanks so much for having me, Vani. Excited to be here at the show. So uh, I'm Caitlin, VP Partnerships for Routique, and we provide supply chain leaders with insight, foresight, and oversight into their operations. So, um, you know, we're primarily an, an order based solution. So everything from online order capture through to inventory management, um, and oversight into uh, into delivery and uh, and temperature tracking cold chain
1: and what industries do you all work in do you focus on produce or lots of other industries as well
3: uh, so we got our starting consumer package goods so uh, you know our first couple clients were in the dairy industry when we started um, and uh, you know starting to work with a couple clients in the produce industry but that's a big part of why we wanted to join the fresh field catalyst program was uh, you know to get exposure to this industry to learn uh, you know about some of the problems that supply chain leaders are, are trying to solve Yeah, that was
1: um, when we started the program. That's exactly your type of company was exactly what I was looking for in the accelerator. Was finding people who had these solutions that could be really useful for the produce industry and trying to help those companies figure out what is the produce industry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, can you talk a little bit about the accelerator and what the
3: experience was like for you? Yeah, so I mean, fantastic experience for us. Um, You know, kicking off with immersion week, we had the opportunity to visit on site some of the biggest companies in the industry and just hear and see. Firsthand, um, you know, all the amazing things they're doing on innovation, but also some of the challenges that they're facing and have some of those conversations. So I think labor water, labor water. Yes. <laughs> labor water. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, no, and then you know, and then being able to um, to also work with our cohort, um, and so I feel like we had solutions, you know, all the way from uh, you know making sure you had the right seed to start with, through to delivery. So that was, I think, really interesting. Some great partnerships coming out of the program.
1: Oh, that's great. Who are you working with in the produce industry now? I mean, types of companies and and how how is that unfolding, and how are you kind of moving into the industry?
3: Yeah, certainly. So, um, you know, we got started with a couple uh, companies specializing in controlled environment agriculture. Um, we're talking to some aquaculture companies uh, at the moment. And so, um, you know, what we're finding is uh, they're experiencing a lot of the similar problems to our uh, CPG clients in terms of temperature requirements and time from from harvest to, um, to package to store. If anything, we're realizing that there's, you know, we're seeing a lot more pressure in the industry to make sure that, you know, that you have the shortest possible window to get products to the shelf. So, you know, for us, that's really been, you know, been our our focus as we're working with those companies.
1: So where does innovation come from to the produce industry from what you've
3: seen? You know, I think it comes from collaboration between companies and, you know, smaller tech companies like ours. So we saw that as part of this program, but it really is uh, seeing these industry leaders looking to external parties for to help foster some of that innovation culture. And so you know I I think we're seeing a lot of companies leading the way in produce and even more so I think than other industries that we've been we've been working with oh interesting yeah
1: so when you go to to make a sale or to get a customer who do you talk to within an organization and what types of organizations do you start with
3: yeah certainly so for us um, I mean we've actually been brought in before um, by sales and marketing in in some cases going hey you know we're making these service promises to our customers but we're feeling like we're just missing missing the boat some of the time for them and so um, you know can you can you help us orchestrate our service delivery model because you know a, a lot of the times it's it is sales and marketing sort of looking over at supply chain going I, you know how can we help how can we work together a little bit more closely um, so we'll see that um, you know often Sometimes we'll also come in directly working with operations teams who are seeing that in their um, in their organization and, and wanting to make change so they can deliver on that, that customer promise. Hmm.
1: And then how is it a slow? sales cycle or pretty quickly or how does that Yeah
3: I mean uh, actually the other day I got a call from a company who was uh, looking to roll us out in three weeks in a new facility so (laughs) sometimes um, you know sometimes companies are looking for an immediate solution Um, other times we'll talk to companies um, you know for for up to a year if it's a larger enterprise and just making sure that we're all aligned on operationally on, on the technology side so sometimes we feel like we're almost slowing down the process to get started to make sure hey happy to help but you know are we taking all the right steps in setting you up for for success.
1: And is there a long training process or does that happen pretty quickly?
3: Yeah. So, um, I mean, we try to make it as easy as possible for our clients because we're working with some of the busiest people out there, yeah, right? Exactly. Like they're already they're <laughs> yeah, working. That's why they want your product. <laughs> they're already working, you know, 14, 16 hour days. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly, we'll, we'll run that for them and we'll usually provide a custom training program because, you know, we, we know that, you know, while some of the challenges are similar, each company has a different requirement in terms of uh, their standardized operating procedures. So we'll help them integrate the technology into the operating procedures that they already have. Or in some cases, we'll help companies write operating procedures before they're ready to to implement a new technology. So uh, we're actually finding in some cases we're coming in even a bit early to help support them to get ready to implement a new technology. So is there a lot of consulting
1: part of your business then, too?
3: There is, yeah. And and it's funny. For the first couple of years, we really didn't formalize it. It was just something that we did because we wanted to be of service to our customers. If they wanted help with something, we would just go and help them do that. Um, and so just, just recently, we actually launched a new website, and now we have... Professional services list that listed there. We formalize this oh. as something that we we offer. So, yeah, really excited to just you know make that an official part of our our offering.
1: Yeah, it's been interesting. A couple of companies I've talked to even just today and yesterday, and that that's especially um, companies are just starting with a product you just can't say here here's your product go use it you know but you also don't want to spend all your time consulting and having every customer be completely different and so trying to standardize and trying to scale but then also give customer service I think is kind of a challenge right it
3: is yeah Um, you know we definitely have found that we we invest very heavily in our partnerships and in our clients but yes how does that scale how can we reuse you know what we helped uh, a client solve a problem them over here and reuse it over here. Um, so, so, certainly something we're talking a lot about. Yeah, right
1: now. yeah, yeah, I bet. So, what do you think is needed to solve uh, some of the biggest
3: problems in the industry? It is that collaboration. Um, You know, we work with a lot of clients who have uh, really extensive networks of partners that they're working with. And so, um, you know, for example, we'll we'll start working with a manufacturer who wants the best possible experience for their end customer, but they're maybe using 40 partners across, um, you know, across their network to help them deliver. So it really, you know, in those cases will actually help them with the communication strategy out to their network and help, um, you know, manage some of those relationships because it's not as easy as going, hey, we're going to use this technology now, we expect everyone else in our, our network to use it, uh, but everyone benefits when they are using it, you know, even the manufacturer gets better visibility, the distributors in their network, um, you know, they're able to actually optimize what they're doing for not just one manufacturer, but chances are they're working with 15 others trying to deliver and co-route uh, and report on their orders. Mm. So what is going to make
1: this a successful show for you? What are you trying to get out of being at the show?
3: Yeah, so I think for us, uh, it's the conversations that we're having. It's, you know, just continuing to hear some of those problems. I, I joined the supply chain um, session yesterday oh, well, and good. was just hearing, you know, hearing uh, floral companies talk about, you know, having to learn to palletize their product during, um, during COVID. And now th- their customers are loving that. And so they're having to solve this new problem in our business. So, uh, I, I mean, just wanting to just absorb that yeah <laughs> this weekend yeah.
1: yeah so have you been on the floor this morning yes yeah, yeah. I haven't been down since it opened because I've been up here yeah. but what's the energy like Ooh, lots it feel like? of
3: energy down there yes yeah. um great start to the show I mean imagining today is going to be probably the highest energy day so yeah just yeah lo- looking forward to it yeah and what is have you been to the show before no, this is, uh, I've been to the, some CPA Im- events in my past, uh, past life, but this is the first time here. So. Yeah. So
1: what's your impression of just walking the floor?
3: The scale yeah, is, <laughs> is absolutely amazing. So I think I was just walking over here through the floor and just in awe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's
1: just a sensory overload, right? It you know, is. there's just like smells and tastes and colors and, you know, lots of excitement. Yes.
3: So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great.
1: It was so good to see you again. <laughs> yes. Great. And, to catch And uh, you'll be at the reception. You, can you be the bet. Reception. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, reception tonight.
3: this evening. Yeah. Yes, and All right. uh, yeah. And thanks for having us as part of the program. Yeah. Amazing. Good. good. Great. Okay. Thank you. Thanks.
1: So we will go to our next guest now. So I will turn it over to you to introduce yourself and your company.
0: Thank you. My name is Scott Gatsky. I'm president of SAG technical services. We are an IT Uh, consulting organization that works with most of the larger manufacturers and companies in the industry.
1: Excellent. So what kind of services do you provide and what what do people work with you on?
0: So um, thank you. We we provide most services that an internal IT organization would provide. Cybersecurity is a big thing for us. Process automation um, in back office processes is another big area. And then uh, help desk all the way up through high-end consulting.
1: And you've been working in the industry. Do you have a you have a big client base? Kind of where are you in the development of the company and your customer base?
0: So we've been in the industry since two thousand six. So most of the major uh, manufacturers are with us at this point. So we we are pretty deep in in the industry. Yes.
1: So what's your area for growth? Are you still acquiring new customers? And then then is your business model to continue to support your current customers?
0: We uh, we absolutely are growing. We are continuing to support our existing clients as we grow. You know, every egg company is becoming a te- or has become a technology mm-hmm. company. They can no longer by necessity. Produce, yeah. Yeah, by necessity, they can no longer produce, do quality, label without technology. And so, th- we're there to support that journey.
1: Around IFPA, we're having and I've had conversations with you of just trying to think about how an organization like ours supports the industry around cybersecurity and just the importance of cybersecurity. And I think it's one of those conversations that it's kind of like food safety. It's like people don't want to say they have a problem or, or they've had an attack. And so so it's been an interesting thing to think about, like, how can we help and, and how I, I don't think a lot of people understand what a big problem it is to our industry because people don't talk about it.
0: You're absolutely right. And there's been a, a change recently, and organizations are coming together as as groups and saying, we need to be transparent on this. The belief is, if one company is attacked, that should be the only company that's attacked by sharing this data, just like we do with quality. So that the relationship, we talk about that all the time. It's it's a direct tie-in to, to the way we're handling quality. Absolutely.
1: So what kind of protection or, do you give people? I, I assume you help them to not get attacked and then I'm sure they get it. If people get attacked and then they call you like, so how does that work?
0: Yeah. So there are general things that we can do to ensure that you are less vulnerable to attack things like uh, multi-factor authentication where you have to hit, yes, that's me logging into email. Things I like do that. hate
1: that. But you,
0: <laughs> you hate that until you're attacked yeah. and they get in. Yeah. It, is, it is a way that it always does, uh, that it always happens. So things like that, patching systems, um, making sure you're not exposing systems to the Internet, training your users, your, your your employees should be your first line of defense saying this looks wrong. I'm not going to click on this. You know, all those things. It even goes as far as accounting. You know, we do ACH payments throughout the industry and the criminals are faking, sending in fake emails asking you to change their ACH banking information to another company or to those. another bank yeah, and, and we see that hit all the time. So not every solution is an IT solution. In those cases, they should set up to have the accounting department have to require that they call a known number and validate that this is a valid change because people don't change banks that much. Right? So, um, doing things like that will just better the industry, you know, as we deploy more and more technology, if we don't have the security in place, It's going to be a house of cards built, you know, not on a solid foundation. And we have to have that solid foundation.
1: So as part of if you go in, say you required a new customer to work with cybersecurity, do you go in and start with training of those types of things? Or do you go in with software or what's the customer engagement?
0: So what we normally do is we um, we start with an interview. We, we do a partnership model. We're not people who come in and, you know, look for bad areas and, and try to drill in on people. We're not an audit firm. We partner with them and we look for the areas for opportunities for improvement and then talk to them about, well, if you change this, um, it'll make you stronger. And frankly, a lot of IT departments have, you know, they bring things forward and they're told no, because MFA multi-factor authentication is too hard. So they don't want to do it. Well, we help give them the language to show what the risk is and how it's a, a it's a it's a business need at this point to do it. So we, we partner with them. Training comes as normally as part of it because not enough organizations are doing that that employee training. But. But absolutely, it's it's more partnership and looking for where the weaknesses are. One of the benefits are we deal with so many companies. We see so many different types of attacks that we know where to look and where to, to, to shore up defenses.
1: Hmm. Interesting. What are some of those examples of that, of, of the way people get attacked and, and that you've seen in the produce industry? No names. but No no <laughs> names. Um,
0: so ACH fraud is, is one that, that I talked about. Uh, another is people not doing... Uh, multi-factor on their email, and so what happens is their email gets compromised, and then uh, the criminals use that email to start sending out ACH changes to their um, to their customers, stuff like that. Um, and then another one is just the, the crypto locker attack where you see where someone clicks on something wrong, criminals get into the environment, and then uh, they'll exfiltrate, meaning they'll send out um, any personal identifiable information that might be on the network so that they can hold that hostage. And then they'll all lock all machines so they're unusable. And now you can't print, you can't ship, you don't know what to order, you can't process. Um, so
1: do you get that call?
0: We do get that call.
1: And then what, what do you do?
0: Well, so, so the good thing is sometimes companies find out that the criminals are in before they lock everything. We've actually How do they been, know? Uh, they just Weird see, th- uh, IT people see things that shouldn't, are right. Yeah. So we've actually been successful in getting the criminals out without having all the locking happen. Oh so there's been God. success stories, which no one talks about. Yeah. But there have been success stories. But if the uh, the thing happens and they do lock out and we're called after, there are processes that we follow that we've learned the hard way. Um, and as a way to clean up the environment and secure it, and bring it back up and get production back in place.
1: And sometimes how long does that take if if it's there's been a lockout how long are people down?
0: Our goal is 24 hours. In this industry you can, if you go past 24 hours you're in a world of hurt. Oh yeah. I've heard I've heard multiple multiple instances of 10 to 15 days. Uh, and that that just, you
1: just lost your business. <laughs> well, you
0: lost business.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. Um you yeah, the good thing is Companies tend to survive, but, but if they can't produce for 10 days, yeah. they got to buy from somewhere else. Yeah. So um, we, we, target, we target 24 hours, and the industry, I believe, should target that as well. But you have to plan for that. You yeah. have to put the systems in place in order to be ready to meet that 24 hours.
1: So with, when you get the systems back up, did you, have you lost your customer list? Have you lost all your data, or is, are you able to recover that?
0: you should be able to recover all that.
1: If they've been working it, with you. It, it, well, yeah, if if they've
0: done the right things ahead of time, yeah. but it, it really depends on the situation. I've only been in one instance where the company had to pay for the, the criminals. Um, and we were not involved. We were brought in after the fact. And that was, that was a really rough situation. But even by paying, it took them over a week to, to get the data back because the criminals aren't that efficient. So, it's just a, it's a bad thing. That's why people have to plan ahead of time. And we've got, you know, I, I post on LinkedIn and things, things that you can do to, to prep for this and, and be able to recover. And that's just so critical.
1: Are the criminals ever caught?
0: They are. It's difficult because Not your job, obviously. Well, I just yeah, wondered. You know? yeah. uh, they, they are occasionally. Um, they're not U.S. Well, yeah. gen- generically, it's very difficult. And it's, there's not a good story to it. Yeah. So
1: I have, we're running low on time, unfortunately, but I have two more questions I want to ask. One is, is there anything you can see that IFPA could be doing to kind of help in this effort?
0: Yes, my ask would be spread the knowledge. There's cyber shaming. You mentioned it, right? Yeah. We have to burst that bubble, yeah. right? We have to not be shamed because some of the biggest companies out of here have been hit. The NSA has been hit, right? We have to be past that. Yeah. So if we transparently just compare, the industry will be better. And so that's, so anything you can do on that would be to help, great. would be great. that's helpful.
1: Well, we can talk more about that. And the last question is, what will make this a successful show for you?
0: So that's a that's a great question. To me, I love seeing, there, you have a whole technology section this time. I love seeing the technology and what's coming. And I just see, I see more and more of it. Technology touches every facet of our life at this point. I can't yeah. get to, back to my hotel, you know get a cab without it right yeah so i just uh, seeing where it's coming and what the new things are is is to me the true success that and seeing the existing customers and, and potential future ones okay.
1: all right yeah. very cool. interesting thank you very
2: much yeah thank you you've been listening to fresh takes on tech a podcast from the international fresh produce association keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us keep delivering the latest on produce technology. Thank you for listening. Until next time.